Hey everybody, great to have you with us again. This is the Rumble Over the Thunder podcast. It is our second of the offseason. Matt Panier here with 2017 Super Late Ball Champion Andy Monday. Andy, how are you? I'm good, you? I'm doing okay. Go Dolphins. Thanks to Young Way Koo. Young Way Koo, missed kicking, another one. Kicking the game away. Yeah, I brought a present for you that I'll give you. If you want to pass that over, Dan. Oh, We yes. have an official Miami Dolphins can. Where did you get Bud that? Light. It's a secret. I've been looking for that. But uh, That's since, since your team won yesterday and all the grief I gave you about Cutler, I figured that was old. He looked okay. Other than that Hail Mary, did you see that? Um, I think what that was was that was supposed to be some kind of super trick play. I looked at it again. They only had one receiver out to the right, and I think what they wanted to do was like have somebody over on the other side, but the Chargers didn't bite on it, so he just threw it away. He just threw it away. Yeah. It ended up by the cheerleaders, which yeah. the Miami Dolphins cheerleaders, I mean – uh, that's fine if you're that's what, what you're was the chargers up. cheerleaders oh, okay that, that too yeah. either way i could i could see yeah I, I would throw i would throw that there too just to go get it go to halftime be done yep just be done with it uh so obviously the thing that we want to address here first is some extremely sad news for us uh we're here on a monday uh a week actually about 10 days after the even destruction and of course uh, we lost uh, a long-time friend of the Fox River Racing Club of Wisconsin International Raceway in the figure-eight division, Jeff Will Robbie, in an accident. Uh, just a terrible, terrible tragedy here. Uh, we do have Craig Van Wettering, who is one of our two champions of the figure-eight division here on Thursday nights. And, and Craig, I know you're a guy that has raced figure-eights for such a long time. And uh, just tell us about Jeff, the man that he was, the competitor, the guy that he was. Well, uh, I want to first start off by saying, um, you know, it's always a quite sombering experience talking about something like this. Um, you never think that's really going to happen to any of us when we strap into a car. Um, but unfortunately, that's racing. It does happen. We all know the risks. Um, but um, Jeff, um, I think more importantly than the race car driver, he was he was a, a really good family man. Um Really loved his kids and his wife. I know it's, <clears throat> he had a lot of friends down at the track too. Um, you know, a lot of people he maybe mentored over the years or helped. He, he was a guy you could ask for. Uh, I know he did a little bit of super stock and a little bit of, you know, figure eight and a little bit in between. So a lot of people would go to him for setup help occasionally. And I know even in my career, he's, he's helped out at times when I first started. So, um, you know, and then as far as on the track, um, me and Jeff, we've, I think anytime you race in a division long enough with, with anybody, you're going to get into it with everybody at one point or another and have your differences. But the main thing is, you know, put it behind you and move on. Um, and me and Jeff most certainly did that. We always both went out and uh, just like everybody else in the class, we gave it everything we had and left nothing on the table. And you could often find me and Jeff up front battling for the lead plenty of times. And I, I think, um, to me, it still hasn't really set in and it may not until next year when, uh, we're out there and he's not there, it's going to be different, but I know he's going to be up in the upstairs laughing, laughing at us the entire time. <laughs> so, um, I think you hit a really good point there too. And this is something I noticed Friday, um, when I went over to the, the visitation and the services is, 
they put up the boards of all the different pictures and stuff that you've done and you know we know each other out here from the racetrack and what cars you've had but then you start to see you know pictures with his sons and you know hanging out with with eric and bill and nick and all the different buddies and you know he's buddies with rothy and helped on his team and just the different aspects and different things he was involved in a in a lot of things and had a, a positive impact on a lot of lives. Yeah, he definitely did. And, um, I know I'm going to miss him as well as everybody else around here. It's, it's going to take all of us a while to get over. Um, but all we can do is, um, hope for the best and, and try and move forward, put it past us. He'll never be forgotten. That's for sure. But just know that he's watching over us. Yeah. And he was uh, a guy that, it's hard to find someone who always is smiling at a racetrack, especially a race car driver. They always seem to have something that's getting them down. I never, ever saw Jeff not enjoying himself, whether it was here or if he was at a dirt. I would see him at dirt races, too. Never really expected that too much, but he was at some of those Dirt Kings races selling apparel and things like that. Uh, just it, it was always good to see him, and, and like I said, you never really ever saw him down or angry or anything like that. He was just a positive, happy guy at every racetrack. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, even um, I never even thought I'd be ever part of a race like that where something tragic happened like that. And um, just being out there, you know, you always think when an accident happens, oh, that person's going to be fine and, and nothing's going to go wrong. But um, I mean, that's that's what I always think. Anyways, I always feel like we got safe cars and Jeff did have one of the safest cars out there. So it, it wasn't a safety malfunction, anything like that. Um, it was, we will make some rule changes. We'll all get together and, uh, um, make, make the changes we need to make to maybe prevent this from happening in the future. But we all know, like we said earlier with racing, um, sometimes you can think you have all your ducks in a row, but certain things happen. And, um, I guess, like I said, we'll just try and prevent it for the future. And I think what's really important to to mention, too, about you guys as figure eight drivers, and you and I have discussed this before, Craig, is you guys are very, very aware of the risks out there. Uh, This Obviously, you think of the division like the figure eights, and some people would say, why do we even race those anymore? It's almost like professional wrestling, right? You're out there, you're putting on a show, and you're not out there at all to hit in that X. You want to get close. You want to make it look good, but really what you guys are doing is out there to put out a show. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we we do hit plenty. Um, it does happen. Um, it, there's a couple things down there. If you actually look at the figure eight track, you got that, that mound where the flag man stands. Um, that, that's a big blocker there, and that's one of the things I'm going to try and get, you know, maybe rearranged for next year. Uh, my thoughts are maybe if we could put a, a light pole on that light post there and maybe, you know, have your lights on there and have the flag man stand in the corner out of four or something like that on the other side of the wall. Um, just because that's one thing, too, where some the flag man's kind of at risk. I know Marty Nussbaum down there, he almost got hit a few times by cars, and we don't need nothing like that ever happening again. Uh, and that mound... Unless you race figure eight, it, it really is a blocker down there, uh, blocking your view out of four and out of two, and um, it, it's it's hard there to see. Sometimes you lose track of the cars for a split second, 
and it's one of those things like said everybody that raced it knows what I'm talking about but if you don't run it it's it's hard to see but um you do miss cars and I I know Matt you remember a couple of years back when I had that really hard hit with Beatty mm-hmm. um that was the same same type of collision where um you know he just didn't see me and sometimes um when you get veteran guys out there they you know you, I always tell people when they start racing figure eight look in one corner go through one corner while you're looking in the other corner so you can kind of see I like I know where everybody is on the track um but some guys out there they don't they don't do that and and I know Jeff was uh a veteran too but Jeff was always had that philosophy that if you're the leader people got to yield to you and I kind of feel the same way. I've got taken out plenty of times leading the race by a car that one time that was eight laps down in the eve. And there's certain times that it, it's just frustrating, but you don't know sometimes when you get that many cars out on the track, especially at the Eve of Destruction, what's going to happen because it can be, we only started with 14 cars. And when I first started racing, there used to be 24, 25 cars out there. And that really gets hairy especially when people are stopping and you're trying to swerve around them and everything. So for sure. But I, I, me personally, I think if that, um, if that mound or flag stand down there goes, I, I think you'll see a lot of time where drivers will have more to, to get out of the way. They'll see each other coming and you won't be blinded for a minute. Yeah. I, I think that's a great suggestion. And now that, you know, we're up here in the, the media teller right now looking at the track and really, I mean, like you said, out of, out of two or one and two and three and four, when you're coming, you, you almost have to make a decision well before you get there, whether you're going to start slowing down or not. It's not like you can stop these cars. Well, the, the lap cars too, as soon as you get a lap car stopped, then it's a whole nother level there because if, if you get a lap car stopped on the wrong side, I always tell people to stop on the opposite side of where the the figure eight cars swing out so we always swing out to the right coming out of four and to the left coming out of two and you want to stop on the inside of them corners when you get a lap car stopped on um say the inside or the outside of four here mm-hmm. that's the way you're swinging out and when they're stopped right in front of that mound just shy of the x you completely lose your view Mm-hmm. both ways and i'm not in any way shape or form blaming that accident on that but i am just stating this that if that mound wasn't there and you didn't have a lap car in a way that accident never happens yeah and, I, and you know i think that's that's a great point and um it's kind of always been the, the silver lining of racing when things like this do happen you know as tragic as they are um, we do continue to race and we try to make things safer, you right. know, looking down in turn one right there. That's where Jim Poggle's accident was. Now we have the soft walls there or even on the back stretch, uh, Larry Deachin mm-hmm. with the guardrail, you can see what's been done over there. You know, Dale Earnhardt after his accident and the Hans devices, you know, we can talk about it forever. And I think this week talking to people, um, you work with or people that aren't really in tune so much with the racing, they don't understand how that all works you know how can the show continue to go on how can you guys continue to go out there and race and i think it's probably been said a hundred times that's probably what jeff would want us to do exactly that's what i told people too and 
I'm a firm believer with you know the the Lord wants you. I think it's your time. If you know, I think everybody's life is down to basically when He wants to take you, He's gonna take you one way or another. So that's my belief. And you know what? If if I was Jeff though, I did say to some people, I would have I would rather die on that racetrack than than driving out on the road. At least he was he was actually leading the race in our Super Bowl of our uh, you know for the figure eight racers. So in that retrospect, um, you know, I, he probably wouldn't have wanted it in any other way. Yeah. Well, he will certainly not be forgotten. And, uh, you know, we look forward to hopefully making some changes here and making sure that these sorts of things don't happen in the future. But, uh, moving on, uh, to what, happened throughout the year i mean you're sitting here how many figure eight championships have you won now it's the fifth one this is number five well four and a half i don't know <laughs> tie with terry van roy and we did ask terry to be here uh unfortunately we couldn't get a hold of him uh tell me about that last night we 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 called it figure eight gate we had some cars out there taking out each other and, and things were going on what, what was happening out there craig um i <laughs> I don't want to really get into it because it, it's one of those things um, me and the, you know, the people involved kind of put behind us. Um, I wasn't very happy that night, but again, like I said, we put it behind us and moved on. And um, I, I guess, you know, I felt, I don't know. I was a little bitter. I did make actually more laps than Terry. But they, there was a lot of miscommunication going on down there, and um, it actually it, it scored me for seventh and him for ninth, which we were tied up points-wise going in. It, it should have been a 10-point difference, but n- neither here nor there. It doesn't matter. It's over and done with, and um, I would just put it behind you and move forward. It ends up being a pretty good year for you with the Red, White, and Blue Championship as well in the street stocks with with Jesse. All in all, when you look back at twenty seventeen, what's gonna be your best memory? Um I it was a kind of an up and down year. I mean I had a lot of races that um either, you know, winning or had a chance to win, either something happened or um even in the figure eights I had a bad luck streak there where uh I had a little bit of a comfortable lead, and then I ran into about three bad luck or three weeks of bad luck. But uh, it happens. It's racing. Andy knows he's been doing it a long time, and you know you've been around a long time as well, Matt. Um, and uh, take the good with the bad. But I think um, you know it was a successful year. There was times when I, because I still don't know what my plans are for next year too, and. Um, I know um, people get on, like, Dylan, what he's going to do next year, and I don't even – I'm sure Andy's going to come back and defend his title or certain things, but uh, I don't know. I am i can't – I don't really know what's in store for me, and I guess I really wouldn't say um, one good memory of this year. Uh, I am happy with, with the red, white, and blue, and um, to squeak out, you know, even a half champion or however you want to call it with Terry, co-champions. And uh, I, every year, though, is, I guess, important one way or another. Whether you experiences you had, I think that's the main thing, or meeting new people down here, that's always a plus. And 
I was actually happy to, um, like Kyle Cola, for example, I, I never really knew him. And, um, this year I got to meet him more and I mean, he's a pretty, pretty cool dude. And obviously interesting. we'll be talking to him a little later. <laughs> yeah. We've got some questions for Andy him. Had, uh, I've never met him before. Yeah. <laughs> Andy. Yeah. I, there's video proof him. that you're lying on that. Gotcha. But just guys <laughs> like that, you know, around racing or certain things, um, there's always new guys coming up and that's always cool. What um we talk a lot about this on previous podcasts and car car preparation and week to week and the teams that are up front are doing their homework and getting things prepared so you don't have the mechanical failures and stuff. Tell us a little bit about the figure eight class because you guys aren't out here on Tuesdays practicing. You don't have practice on Thursday. There's no time trials. Um, how do they set the lineups? What do you do during the week? You know with the the car to get prepared or you're just basing it off of how things ran last week obviously you got to turn left and right a lot of different uh variables there than what we do on th- uh the circle track divisions um as far as lineups every week they line them up by points so um better you're doing in points of starting to back makes sense um yeah they just invert the lineup um car preparation um it's no different really than anything else i know it's just a figure eight class um, but we do like, I know as well, well my team, we put in a, a ton of time actually, uh, usually sometimes if, you know, Monday night, I'll, I'll kind of mess around with it. Uh, Wednesday night's always our, our big, big one. Usually where, you know, it's a good, um, get the guys over there, kind of maybe have a couple <laughs> beers and joke around, you know, work on the car. Uh, but we actually will not and bolt check it and, check the toe and you know certain things i'll size my tires up again i mean i i do base it a little bit off the the previous week if it ran good but um i upkeep it pretty good and um on the super stock car that i give credit to randy van roy on that he he maintains that thing for me and jesse um i'll usually sometimes go over and ask him for help but he's usually he's such a early bird he'll have the he'll be working on the thing at five thirty friday morning already and uh i don't get up that early <laughs> <laughs> none of us do andy do you no sometimes no. i'm still up at that time when we blew the motor been there before in there earlier in the year he, he says you coming over tomorrow to help me i said yeah randy i'll come over okay you know he says all right well stop over maybe you know three o'clock or something like that so all of a sudden thinking okay swing over there so at work well i mean i own my own shop but he sends me a text about noon and he picture laying of the motor laying on the floor and i'm like you got to be kidding me i mean he didn't even give me a chance <laughs> he already had it pulled out by 10 o'clock already and he basically sent a text asking if i was coming over and here he had the motor already pulled and ready to go in or actually brought it in already and everything so i just um but he's a very knowledgeable guy, and um, he's he's really good about that. He's pretty much on top of stuff. Um, I don't know, like I said earlier, what me and Jesse's plans are for next year. Um, I know she's kind of up in the air as well. But as far as the figure eight, I know I will be back. Um, I don't know how much. I might be weekly. It might just be a once in a while when I feel like it type thing. We talk a lot about 
how you got into racing and what your expectations were when you first started. I know it's a family thing for you. There's a lot of big families here at WIR, and you're part of a big one yourself. And I would imagine that's how you got started and what got you involved. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I just like any of you guys, uh, wheels or a skirt, I'm I'm on it. So, <laughs> but um. Yeah, I don't know. It's Andy knows and you know and everything. It's it's like an addicting drug, I think. Once you get behind the wheel you're pretty much hooked and but um I I do have a daughter that's you know, she's five now, she's growing up pretty fast and that's the main thing. I did take some time out in twenty thirteen here. We only ran like half the season. But I I'm kinda ready I don't know, it was just a long year and certain things, um and then I got a lot of my family after the incident with Jeff, you know, they're like, oh, maybe you shouldn't run that anymore. And I think a lot of other drivers, I'm actually curious to see our car, our car cone for next year, but I'm trying to, you know, I'm upset. I'll try and push in the meetings and stuff, certain things to get some changes made. And even if we got to slow the cars down a little bit, whatever that may be, just try and get a little more safer again. I think some of it, um, got, it maybe did get out of hand, um, with you know when you're in a class you want to be the best you can be and and you try to you strive to make things faster faster and faster but we always said um you know eventually maybe I didn't ex really expect it from a passenger door hit I thought a driver's door hit possibly but I didn't expect that to happen from a from a passenger door hit but I knew the I guess I knew the potential was always there it's you know Candy was saying earlier it, even if you look back at like how Dale Earnhardt hit the wall he didn't didn't look like much but okay. just the right angle right everything it happens but um, yeah we like to also afford the opportunity to uh to our drivers to mention the folks the sponsors that make it possible for them I know between Jesse's car and your car you got quite a few so lay them on us all right, well, start with the super stock. Uh, Erica Raleigh, real estate, um, Lake Park Pub, Little Chicago, um, X-Bar. I'm doing all this off the top of my head, so bear with me here. You're getting close. You're doing all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mike, or, um, yeah, Meyerhofer Dairy. Uh, toys for trucks, bedliner specialists. Oh, um, the pub. Lore's bar or pub Plan B bar. We have a lot of bars on there. I don't know really why. <laughs> we might drink too much. <laughs> <laughs> um. Let's see, I just want to make sure I don't leave anybody out. There we go. He's gonna pull out the phone. By the way, you mentioned you got a lot of bar sponsors. So there's this young kid, 14 years old. His name is Colin Slife. He set fast time at at Golden Sands for the Tundra Race. Yep. He's got about six bar sponsors. That makes sense. I asked him, I said, what's the deal with that? Mm -hmm. Just bar sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty impressive. Can't really patronize them yet. Oh, you can go get food, I can. guess. You know? Hang out. And technically, if your parents give you permission to come in there with them you just can't sit at the bar 
I don't know. You gotta love Wisconsin. You gotta love how we well, just when you get Corey Kempkus in here, he can explain this all to you how this works. Okay, perfect. He knows. <laughs> we know well. Oh yeah, um, Lazy Dog is another bar, of course. Uh, still Wally's still, and then um, Gracie's Auto Body and Roots Hair Salon. That should be oh, and Roundabout. That should be all of them. Have you ever been to Lazy Dog, Matt? I haven't. Where is that? That is where the old uh, dog racing track used to be, across from Gusman. Oh, okay. Street. I know where that is then. Really yeah. good food. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. I haven't been out there we yet. We swing down there. We'll drive past the other bars on JJ to go to that one. Okay. They got good food Well, there. thanks for letting right. me know. And they're a sponsor. I should, I should have known that. Yeah, the people around this area are pretty, pretty good and pretty generous about sponsoring the lo- local race cars. I know... Andy's got you know, a lot of good sponsors, and I think everybody that races the uh, local businesses are very supportive of everything, and pretty much are always willing to throw a little bit in. All you got to do is ask. Yeah, I think the the local businesses can really see the return on investment, and um, if you get them involved in the sport, I think that's a big thing. They want to be part of it, and they enjoy it. And then you know, obviously, see your face or family or crew guys in there um, makes it all work. One thing I will say, like with the bars that sponsor us or even the, um, you know, the some of them will go in there to eat um, every, for sure, a couple of weeks. I mean, we try and really give it back to we ain't just like mm-hmm. take their money and run type thing. And a lot of them appreciate that. And Yeah, that's important. Yeah. Um, as far as the figure eight car, um, CK Automotive, Bedliner Specialists, Fox Valley Hydrographics, Toys for Trucks, X-Bar is on there as well, and Slammed Out Customs, and Plan B. All right. Perfect. Well, thanks, Craig. We appreciate it, and uh, we look forward to seeing you again as much as you're going to race in 2018, and hopefully it's a lot. Yeah. I, you know, you got to keep everybody guessing. We'll, we'll find out. So. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Thanks. All right, we're back with Corey Kempkis, who gets the distinct honor of being the first quarter-mile late-model champion. We did have the class last year. They didn't crown a champion. but This year they do, and Corey, you're the guy. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, we uh, had a pretty good year. Got a couple wins early on and um, also had some trouble in the middle of the year, but we figured out our shifter issue and um you know got the car figured out just enough to get the championship by one point so uh it was a pretty good year overall for the five car what is the history of that car that car's been around a while at this track i believe and it's got the old monte carlo body on yes i like it yeah that's um i don't know the whole history it's a 90 rander car um willie van camp drove it at some point, I think he ran it on the half mile. Mm, back in the days when he was racing against Ron Blank. Yeah. <laughs> he was oh, out there with uh, Johnny Sturm. Yeah, I remember those days. Zuma Newman. There we go. So we, uh, we, 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 you know, we left the paint scheme just the way it was and slapped the five on it. Um, we used to have a late model on the half mile or on the quarter mile. Um, back when the late models were on the quarter mile 
And that was our, or that was a number when Dan Grace Haley drove, um, Greg Wickman, a couple others. Where we got that? What's it like for you having to race a late model on the quarter mile, and you're racing against a bunch of guys from our past, the Pete Burke and Tom Sparowski, Rick Spoo. I just think that's that's really kind of neat to see those guys back in the game. And then they're racing against someone like you. You never got to race against those guys. But now you're out there on the quarter mile in a late model car with guys. I'm guessing you grew up watching those guys. Yeah, I was up top watching them. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's kind of neat that you get to run with those guys and they actually came back to run this division. It's pretty cool getting this division going. Um Originally, we were just going to have Greg Wickman drive it, and I wasn't even in the picture of driving at the time, and then he kind of stepped away, so I just kind of took contra- or, you know, took the wheel after that, and uh, that was history, and that's kind of what I've been doing for it. Um, but yeah, it's kind of neat to run with those, those older guys. We've seen the, uh, the car counts kind of slowly, but kind of gradually gaining more cars i think the most we're up to now was seven or eight i want to say on one night we had yep I, I, I believe there was seven the second to last night um i know initially started out like three or four so what do you think kind of going into next year would help that class maybe flourish a little bit more get more cars um i don't know i think i think we just got to keep working at uh getting a set of rules where it's very you know reasonably cheap to get someone into the division um and i think they're doing a pretty good job at at it right now allowing a few different motor packages and whatnot just to get the cars out there Um, hopefully we can keep working on um, get more cars out there as far as the ones that are out there now so what do you see as far as the growth of this class uh what i think is really neat is basically you can take anything that's run at some point in time and you could slap pretty much any kind of motor in it. Is that kind of the direction it's going to keep going? Um, I, th- originally they were going to try to get it down to a spec or a crate, um, division. And I'm, I guess I haven't been at all the meetings for them. Um, my car owner, Aaron, my brother-in-law has been, you know, the main man for that. So I, I don't really know a whole lot about it. I, I just, show up and drive it unfortunately but um duffel bag driver yeah Tom yeah. Cruise in the yeah. whole trickle here <laughs> but no it's I don't know I think I think what they're doing is pretty decent so how different is it than running the super late model I mean obviously you're running two different tracks so it's not that easy to get any kind of a baseline it's not like running a late model and a super late model but I mean there have to be some pretty distinct differences between the two cars yeah, the biggest one is the five car doesn't have power steering, so that's a handful. Thanks. Yeah, we get a weight break for, for it, so we opted out on the power steering, and you just got to wheel it. <laughs> it's pretty much <laughs> how it goes. I, I've never driven anything without power steering, believe it or not. Um, so that was definitely interesting the first couple times I jumped in it. Did you tell them that maybe next year we'll just take the weight and you can put the power steering <laughs> back in it? That makes it interesting. (laughs) (laughs) 
Now, another thing I think is interesting is you guys aren't using spotters out there on the quarter mile, and you would think on the quarter mile would be a much better place to have them than on the half mile. Tell me what that's like. Um, it's just a little more give and take. You gotta, you know, you can't really bury it in underneath someone because you know that they don't have a spotter to tell them that you're there or looking underneath you. So you just kind of got to take it a little more easy. Um, as far as um, that goes, I don't really know how it was. Back in the day, obviously, I never ran on the quarter mile before, so I don't know how if they had spotters back then or not. But it, it's it's okay. It ain't terrible. I don't think they ever did have spotters. No, nope. I they think were. they were always just on the half mile. Yeah, mm-hmm. which you could tell back in those days too. Mark Van and Bogard <laughs> yeah. drilling S- Mark, Mark Anthony and Steve Smiths and the Neil, Ginners. Neil Moss running the top side. Oh, those were good times back then, though. Absolutely. They used to have B mains and Bryce Spore would always be. That was before they had the semi feature, but you didn't transfer. The semi feature was after the feature. So it was, you know, 10 cars and they're just racing for the semi feature trophy. And that was Bryce Spore's race. I mean, Bryce had his day before that, but that was Bryce Spore's race. And speaking of Bryce, I know your dad and your family, you guys were really tight with Bryce, weren't you? Yeah, I think my dad was. Um, you know, we dedicated when when we had the Bryce Spore night. We, I don't remember when that was, 2010 or 11. We uh, made up a door and put on the, the limited late model at the time, um, in honor of Bryce. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, now you're racing a late model on the track just like he did. Yep. <laughs> uh, we don't want to put you too far on the spot here, Corey, but we like to kind of talk about sponsors and who you got. Who do you got on that five car? Uh, on the five car, I, you know, we definitely got to thank Northridge Renovations. That's my brother-in-law, Aaron's company. You know, like I said, he's he pretty much wrenches on that, you know, does everything on that. I, I'm a duffel bag driver, like you said, for that car, and I just show up. I pretty much focus on the super late. So um, also got to thank B&B for getting us a motor for that and helping us out there. Um, Milltown Still and Grill, Hank and Karen's pub and grill um pro world i think that's about it on that car yeah and we talked about aaron on the last podcast a little bit um or the the final night when you won the championship um he's no stranger to this place either he's been coming to the track for a while and um he was kind of crew chief for gary bach when he raced out here um obviously he's your brother-in-law now but uh you and Aaron communicate a lot as far as changes on the car, and he's kind of like he's the car owner, but he's the crew chief at the same time. Yeah, that's correct. He he definitely you know has a lot of knowledge and a lot of background, um, both on the quarter mile and the half mile. So we've we've bounced ideas off each other, even for the super late, and we you know it's definitely a great person to have, and he's always there when you need help and whatnot. As far as in the in the garage and at the track. So it's pretty nice having him as a brother-in-law as well. And you guys aren't <laughs> done yet with that car this year, right? No. Nope. one more to go? Yeah, we got one more to go. We're going to do the outlaw race at lacrosse. Um, last year I won it, hoping we can go back and win it again. Um, we're also, I think we're going to do the double O race again, or this year. We didn't get a chance to do it last year, so I think we're going to try it. Um, so that should be interesting. You know, before we let you go, one thing we always like to ask drivers is their history in racing. And obviously, with your dad and how long he's been in the sport, you were you were bound to get involved yourself. 
but just tell us, did you ever see yourself getting as involved as you are now, racing the two cars that you've been racing all the way up to the super lates? Uh, you know, your career trajectory went up pretty quick. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I didn't really see getting up to the super lates, obviously. Um, pretty fortunate to do it, and it's all thanks to him. He's the one that makes it happen, um, along with all the sponsors. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 kind of cool running two divisions on one night. It keeps you busy, that's for sure. So it's it's still enjoyable. So we'll keep doing it. You gonna give a shout out to the Sea Red while you're on here? Yeah, they're uh, <laughs> they've changed colors in the last few years. Yeah, <laughs> but you know what? That's your fault for changing your car color, right? Yeah, I know. Are they, they the blue wave now? Is that? What? Well, they got like the Something. F- bright green, the safety yeah, green right. shirts now. Those, so. those are out there. That's yep. right. Yeah, it's see this year they would have had to start out with the uh, the pink, and then they would have had to change to the yellow when we did a car change mid to end of season. So they're trying to keep up with you. So maybe they should yeah. just go like a neutral, like Heather Gray, yep. like Dan shirt here. <laughs> yep, and then they just got to have have it covered or black. Right. Yep. No, you definitely have a lot of supporters. We've mentioned that before too on on the podcast, you know, whether they whether you win a race or they do driver intros, you definitely know where they're all sitting. Yeah, you can hear that. And all the support you have from friends and family, so. Yeah, that's for sure. They they're a loud group and they <laughs> they like to travel with us too, so it's it's always a good time. Well, Corey, thanks for coming on out, joining us. Uh congratulations on your 2017 championship in the quarter mile late models and we'll look forward to seeing you again in 2018. Thanks again and thanks for having me. Moving along with our champions of the 2017 season with the Fox River Racing Club, we have our sizzling four champion, Dan Thompson, joining us here. Dan, congratulations. Tell us about the season. Thanks. It was a, it was a good season. I um, didn't really actually plan on racing. and This is actually the first time I've ever ran a full season out here. Uh, back in 2007, I think I ran most of the season, but uh, never really planned on running it. I like to come out here, test the car for the Enduros, get them ready. And then uh, won that first night, came back the second week and put fast time down, and then uh, kind of was up at the top and felt the need to just keep coming back. And I think it was about week four, my wife said, are you racing this week? And uh, yeah, I probably should, I guess. I'm still leading the points. And then kind of went, kept going all season. And at one point in time, we had, uh, right before 4th of July, gotten got an accident and bent the lower control arm and had some new ones shipped in off eBay on that Friday night. And didn't think they were going to get in on time. So I figured, ah, good. This will be the pressure off. I can just, uh, you know, second in points by the time and can just kind of quit then and, and just, you know, come back a handful of times, get the Enduro car ready and, and be ready to go. And then parts came in eight o'clock Wednesday night, I think is when they finally came in, <laughs> got them on. So ended up coming out here the next week and then or that, that next day and then racing and came right down to the end, but it was, it was a good season. Yeah, it was fun to watch you and Rick go back and forth. And I know he's kind of another Enduro guy. Yeah. Now tell us the story. Rick has... The 117 car from last year, correct? That was Mike Klein's car, or is that your car? No, so Rick has Rick actually has the car that I think it was Phil Lale's car. Okay. So Phil Lale and Mike Klein had the similar cars, or twin cars. I think that was actually Phil's car, and then Mike went and ran Rick, or Rick's car all year that Rick normally drove uh, the last handful of seasons. Um, so Rick owned them both, and and obviously because they're brothers, he said, "Hey, you know," and got the one sitting there and I think Mike was going to do the red, white, and blue and maybe a couple other races and then kept having fun and kept coming back out every week. So 
And now, is yours just specifically built this year? Did you just get that together for the Enduro? And <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and there it is, a championship car. That's exactly. I picked it up last year. Um, bought last fall. Started stripping it down from a street car and selling parts off of it so I could make enough money to put the cage and everything into it. And uh, got that done and took it down to Jefferson and it was a, a rolling turd. I mean, I think it was awful. Uh, I just couldn't get any power out of it. I was about a second off the speed. Um, had a handful of issues that day. Um, some soft brakes at first got uh, put up into the wall and actually bent a tie rod and went through at a radiator hose brake. Just a whole bunch of stuff all happened on that day. Um, that would have happened out here at any point in time throughout a, a season. So got a lot of the gremlins worked out then and found the timing on the, the head to the block was off and got that fixed about a week before the season. So got that done, came out here and, and tested it out. And the fastest I'd ever gone in the cars before was a 18.4, 18.5. So the first night coming out here with an 18.3, I was pretty surprised on that one. And then just got better as the season went on. Yeah, the car was very consistent throughout the year. I, I don't, you had what, maybe one or two DNFs? I know you've mentioned the one with the accident, but yeah. the, something happened the second to last week, which kind of no. tightened up the points, or was it the third to last week? No, it was, uh, I had the one DNF the third okay. to last week. Um, actually, Rick is the one. He's the one that we were going into one and two there, and he tried to go on the inside of a car and actually spun through the infield there. Okay. So I was the second in points going up to that, and then it ended up putting him a lap down. But yeah, the one DNF, and then uh, really the, I was in top tens all year except for the, the one night that I had a DNF and then the uh, the last night of the year, I kind of knew what I had to do and wasn't going to push it any further, so I think I ended up 11th or whatever. But. He let the PT Cruiser win the last He did. Yeah. But you know what? Those guys all kind of run in the same camp, don't you? Because I saw you guys go down to Hawkeye Downs. Was that <laughs> yep. about midway through the summer? Was that July or June? It was June. Uh, June 2nd, I think it was, for the Big A race. So a spot for Cody Kippenhahn as well. And so, yeah, we're, we're going to go down there anyway. And then Kurt Schweitzer and I, we've done it a handful of different times. Well, anytime that the Big A's racing, if they got four cylinders, we'll we're driving down anyway, so might as well take the cars and have some fun. So, so yeah, I, I, Kurt, uh, Bob Void, my brother Rob, all of us, we call it Schweitzer Racing Rentals because at one point in time, I think Kurt had like seven race cars out there <laughs> that we all worked on and, and racing Enduros in and everything. And so, but uh, th- this was actually the first time that um, I've actually owned a car probably in five, six years. A lot of times I just ran the stuff he had. And we kind of always had a deal where if I work on it, buy parts, keep the cars running, you know, he, he had them sitting there so we can just use them. You and hear that, Andy? Did, did they add another car to the stable too? Was Kurt helping? Um, was that McVeigh the last couple of weeks? He brought out a late model car. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Pete McVeigh's late model. Yeah, well, now we got another right. one in that stable. Well, I was gonna say if uh, if you heard the rental part, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's an enduro coming up here. I'm a race car driver now. I don't know if you saw that, yeah. <laughs> but sure uh, that that might be a little fun. It is a fun race, and and Dan can talk about it. I ran it once a few years ago. And uh, we let a lot of laps until about 100 laps in there. There were no brakes, brakes left on the car. Um, so you got to prepare a little bit differently for the Enduro than you do a Thursday night. What's, what kind of stuff are you looking at for that? From a preparation standpoint, it's actually pretty close, right? You go through and do all the same things. You're setting your toe. You're bleeding the brakes just like you do every week. You're going through and, and checking all your lines and everything. Um, I'm not a very smart person, and I lose stuff a lot, so I write my list right on the car. If you look at my back quarter panel, I literally have the list written there and marker on there, <laughs> and I, we cross the stuff off as we go. But uh, a lot of the stuff there is the same. Obviously, you have some more spare tires and stuff you bring with you, but um, 
for the prep wise, the mindset's what's totally different, right? So I always go into the enduros. It's it's 300 laps. You've got to make it. So I always go get me to halfway, then get me to the finish where wherever you're running, it'll shake out. And and you've got to be, you know, stuff happens. Some some drivers, if if someone hits them or if they get spun out or something, that kind of gets in their head. And you just got to be able to shake that off and get back going again and, and keep racing because it's such a long race. And we run rain or shine, so. Like last year in Duro here, I think we had 148 laps or something like that, green flag racing. And the last 30 of them were in the rain again. So it started raining in the beginning of the race and then right at the end of it. So you're constantly changing track conditions. The cars are out there and, and the people you're driving with. Um, so you, you kind of get in a pack and you, you get racing with the same people. Rick Laser and I last year out here, we probably ran 60 laps side by side. You'd get up to some lap traffic and I'd get him and then he'd get me back. And, and then you'd sit afterwards, have a beer and laugh about it. Yeah, and real early in those races with the amount of cars that are on the track, you got to kind of decide, am I going to be inside? Am I going to be middle? Am I going to be outside? Is there a strategy to that? I, I heard like guys like Frank Calabrese tell me years ago a strategy of maybe running one of those different lines just to avoid getting flat tires. Yeah. Because that's a part of it too. Yeah, and track condition, right? So if it's wet and cars are going to push up constantly. And so, yeah, I don't know. I, I've always – gone into it kind of thinking oh here's how i'm going to start the race and go and then by turn one i think i've forgotten all that and i'm <laughs> i'm reacting to whatever's happened on the track right so um they do a, a fun live draw on, on facebook now and so you can see where you're starting and everything and so you spend that whole week kind of looking at it where can i go and you got that mental picture in your head and then it's all changed right away and, and i mean cars don't start at the beginning of the race someone doesn't get going right away someone turns out and spins and spins out in turn one and stuff so so much can happen that you just kind of take what you can get and go when is that enduro? That's going to be coming up here, September thirtieth. Yeah, it's okay. in a couple of weeks. And for the people listening yeah, who've never say. been to it before, very family friendly event, very cost effective. It's what like five or ten dollars for a whole carload to get in. No, right. they're, they're, it's I think it's regular price now. They tried okay. the carload for they a while. It. Yeah, okay. yeah. They did that. But the other thing that's kind of neat or unique about this format is there's no yellow flakes. Nope. And you might say, well, how is there no yellow flakes? If they have a situation where a car gets wrecked, stalled, crashed. Um, they'll throw the red flag, get the driver out, but the car is going to stay right where it wrecked. Happened so to me. By about lap 200, there are a lot of obstacles <laughs> around the entire course. That happened to me. My one race ever was down at Columbus in one of Matt's Enduros, and I got spun out and had a car that did not want to start at all. Uh, the fuel pump was bad on it. And I forgot to push the clutch in when I got spun out, and it would not restart. And that car sat there just out of turn two for a good hundred laps until Eddie Munster popped it. So, yeah, it, it happens. Let's hope that doesn't happen to the 99. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, yeah, I mean, it's a risky take. We've had a handful of cars throughout the years that we've ended up trashing out. And if you look at a lot of the stuff we bring out, it, a lot of them probably should be already. But uh, we keep pulling them back straight and, and going at it because of that. You know, we actually stay pretty clean here at this track. Uh, there's, it's pretty wide open here, so you can, if cars have trouble, they can pull it in the field. You can get outside pretty quick. You know, all one and two, you can go up on the half mile. That's what I did last year. I got a flat tire going through one. You just pull out, go down the half mile, come in the pits right away, and so you, you can get out of trouble here pretty easy. Where our, uh, Jefferson or Wausau, you're so enclosed there, stuff gets piled up there pretty quick. Columbus, you got to make the big right hand turn out of turn yeah. four and drive all the way back <laughs> to the pits. Yeah, and the pits come go uphill and downhill. Yeah, and yeah you come no. back, you're thirty laps down. That was uh, that was quite the place, that's <laughs> for sure. Uh, Dan, let's let's talk about, obviously, you have your enduro background, which you're racing out here on Thursday nights. Any plans to 
maybe move up or move along or are you kind of just in that enduro mindset what's what's the thought process for you yeah no it's definitely in the enduro mindset that's what uh that's what's fun for me i when i started racing i actually bought a hobby stock to race down in oshkosh on the dirt and um they ran that for one race and then that was back in like 2006 and then they canceled the class after that i went the last night thought okay this is good and then over the winter they canceled the class so it's to that point then I could, you know, you go up to a street stock or super stock or to, uh, to go to four cylinders. I went to four cylinders and had so much fun since then. Um, I, mean, I mean, obviously no offense to Andy, but you look at the kind of money them guys put in those cars versus what we put in, and I think we still have just as so much fun. It's, it's uh, it cost justifies why we couldn't do it. We do, we do joke about that in my shop quite often. You know, we should just sell all this, and then there's like five or six guys on my team that help me. I'll buy we'll just all <laughs> buy one. We'll all race with each other. How fun would that go. be? That's actually the best part of the Enduros is when you get by each other. So Tim Rector, Bob Voigt, you know, Kurt, my brother, when you can go at two years ago at, at uh, Sean or Bob Voigt and I, we must've gone 70 laps, nose to tail all the way through there. And Bob's a dirt guy. He's got the track championships on dirt and I like the asphalt. And so two of us running side by side, like that, I, I could get him through three and four and with the way one and two were set up at Sean at the time, he'd pull me through there. And so just going back and forth and you, you get in those grooves and you're running with your friends and all you want to do is get them and, and so it's, it's it's a lot of fun doing that. Well, it's been a lot of fun watching you guys out here, especially right as they drop the green flag. You guys make <laughs> it pretty interesting there for that first couple laps. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, it, uh, I, another thing, right? So you always look at the lineups, and I'm sure Andy does the same thing, is you, you kind of think, okay, which line's going to be moving, where stuff's going to go. And, and again, by the time it starts, it never plays out the way it's supposed to be. I, I personally, I like the high side. You get caught on the inside and kind of get trapped down there, but – the downside of the high side is everybody washes up then and when they run three, four wide, and then you're kind of stuck on the outside there too. But um, obviously that's where you pass it on the outside here. So anytime I can get out there and do it, that's what I like to do. But uh, it is it is a little hairy at some of the starts. By the time you get about mid-back stretch, you can say, okay, here's what we have and let's go. And then hopefully you make it through three and four pretty, pretty good. And one thing we've seen with your division specifically the last few years is the car count continues to get more and more. And you guys are having weeks where you have semi-features, what what can you attribute that to? Is it is it just more people wanting to get into racing? Is it things that have been done with the rules over the last five years? What's really helping that? Because some of the other classes are kind of trending the other direction. Yeah, the rules is definitely part of it. I think, I mean, you can pretty much have any car and come run here. Um, we've had a handful of dirt guys come out. You know, obviously Brody is here for the red, white, and blue. And, and you had um, uh, Roger Braun and those guys. And you can do pretty much take our cars and run anywhere, right? If you're a stock four cylinder, you can do a lot of stuff and, and run anywhere. Um, some of the tracks, you know, they have the modified divisions and stuff and you look at car counts and they're pretty down. It's, it's an entry level division. Anybody can get a car and run in it. Um, the speeds are pretty consistent. You know, you look at our, our lap times and qualifying and stuff, you got a couple of them in the upper seventeens, but then you've got a group that's within a half a second there that's racing. And, and by no means was I the fastest car out here. And I know Andy joked a, a couple of times about sandbagging and stuff and qualifying. I'd go and look and I'm like, it's an 18, two. Like that's, that's my average time. That's and I was eighth fastest. And I'm like, man, the, the way the, the whole division got faster throughout this year, but it's a, it's a good group of guys. I mean, there's 95% of us guys and girls, I should say, um, that are, that are out there. We joke around, we, we talk, it's 15 laps here. You're racing. It's heat races of eight laps. It's not a ton of stuff, but we have a lot of fun doing it. The whole groups, I mean, like I said, drivers, Rick and, and Mike, uh, we sit out every every week afterwards and have beers and talk to them and laugh about what happened, how this happened, you know, where'd you go and what happened to you? And so uh, just a, a great division, a great group of people. And then 
uh, and enduro cars, right? So I, I don't know, maybe we started some of that, but you look at a guy like Jeremy Sharapata, he was out here five, six times this year, and um, he was testing his enduro cars, getting those ready before Luxembourg in the, in July, and then getting his Saturn ready for WIR, and just having a lot of fun. And you look at it, we get paid to test, right? So it costs 15 bucks to get through the gate, and they're going to give you 20 bucks. Why would you come out and spend 50 bucks on a Thursday or Tuesday night to test it when you can come have fun and, and get paid to do it? Absolutely. To, to your point about, you know, this being an, an entry-level division and using this as a testing grounds, if someone were to try to get into this, what would you suggest they start with? Because I know one of the big things is car selection, the type of car you use. What's your advice for someone? PT Cruiser. I think that one's a little bit more it on the won advanced the last side. night. You got to get that thing fast somehow, but I've heard the neons are good. Neons Hondas are good. Are good. Yeah. What would you suggest? I'm a little impartial to the 1991 Plymouth lasers. Cause that's what I run. But, uh, it, uh, the, the it actually sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> downsides finding parts for them. Um, as you just can't find anything anymore, but yeah, uh, depending on where you're going to, if you're around here, the neons are fast. Uh, the Cavaliers with the Ecotech motors, those things are, are faster. Right? Heather Wolfgram, Larry Blonger, those guys, they run those ones and they're, they're flying. Um, yeah, the Hondas, you know, even the, the ZX twos, the Ford ZX twos, um, Escort GTs. Those are, those are fast cars. They're light, so out here with our weights and, and being the dual overhead cam, you got to get up to 2350 and trying to get some of those cars that have rusted out three years up to that kind of weight stuff. But, uh, and then Enduro's, the Escort GTs are by far the fastest ones typically. Um, but it find a car that's got, I mean, the, the laser that I have, I think is 135 horsepower. So it's not the top ones, you know, the Gen 2 Eclipses and stuff have 140. The PT Cruiser has 150, I think, even. So there's definitely a lot more of them. But yeah, you want to get something with, a, with some good, uh, Good horsepower, but it, it horsepower is just only so much you got to be able to corner, right? So making sure you're going through, and we were just talking about outside. The first thing you still got to do is put new struts on it, put new brake calipers on it, still go through these cars are 20, 30 some years old, maybe by now, if I'm doing the math. And so you're trying to go through and, and take cars that have been sitting outside in the winters and, and using abuse and not built for what we're doing and, and going through and doing it with this. So I, I like to joke around. Uh, we, we've got two different divisions. Of, of people out there you got the older group you know klein kurt myself all of us who've been racing for a while and then you've got the younger guys the babies you know heather all of them that are the younger ones and and i like to joke around that i've got a 91 plymouth laser that's older than half the drivers in the field <laughs> and so that's and you start to think about it it's like that's true and when he mentioned replacing some of the struts i'm thinking he's only going to replace three of them that one on the right <laughs> rear this might be our tech tip for the week if that one's frozen, rusted, solid, straight, you might want to just leave that on there. Yeah. Tech tip. <laughs> no comment. I mean, I don't, no, uh, it's, it's, <laughs> it's the, the left rear. And just, uh, just discover the speed secret. The, the left rear probably won't change either. It's never on the ground. But uh, <laughs> no, it, uh, it, the front struts are definitely a difference. We uh, actually learned that last year. We had typically used junkyard parts and done that and threw some new ones on last year on the, the car that Tim Richter actually drove here with two nights to go. Um, and we picked up about three tenths of a second doing that. And actually mid season this year, um, was struggling getting some, some good cornering going through. I couldn't run the outside for about two weeks in a row and it, it was driving me bonkers. I was going through checking everything during the weeks and I couldn't figure it out. And, and Larry Gittner was actually out talking to me one time and, uh, cause he had just bought the four cylinder that he had out here the last night and he was asking me about the struts and everything. And he started bouncing mine and, and the right front as he was bouncing it, it never stopped and you can never see it get that coil in there from the uh, strut itself. And so went to go look at it and sure enough, the strut had failed as a brand new strut at the beginning of the season and, and it had failed and changed that and was actually able to start cornering again. So stuff that, you know, just little things like that, that 
make those two, three tenths of a second are such a big difference. Well, before we let you go, why don't you tell us about the folks that make it possible for you on the race car and behind the scenes? Yeah, I'm on the race car. I really don't have a whole lot. Uh, Scudder Maple Farms, they have maple syrup. It's uh, it's the best maple syrup in Wisconsin. I know there's some racers that think there's another maple syrup that you should be Dennis eating. Prunty oh, might oh, refuse oh, this. Uh, uh, Scudder oh, Maple Farms out of, out, of, uh, out of Denmark, they, uh, they've got the best maple syrup out there. Um, Dr. Pete at North Star Dental Group, he helps our, the whole Schweitzer Racing Group out and, and keep it on racing and everything. He's a big sponsor for us, so definitely appreciate um, him. And he, he lives right next to Kurt, and so he's always down at the shop hanging out with us, and, and we have a lot of fun. Um, Boyle Auto Sales and, and Baumgart Tires, we go through their tire, tire piles that are used tires, and that's how we get tires. We don't buy tires at all. We don't buy them and shave them or anything like that. We go through their junk tire piles, take the tires out, find, find the ones we want, the size we want, and, and run those. And so – uh, those guys let us do that, and then Baumgartz lets us kind of do a tire exchange. We take our old ones back there, so definitely appreciate their support. Um, behind the scenes, obviously, uh, my wife Carrie, my boys Chase and Ty, they're they're awesome. We spend a lot of time on these cars, um, probably more than we should sometimes, but um, and and they're really good about it. And then uh, Kurt Schweitzer, my brother Rob, Bob Voy, Jeff Kippenon, Guy Dumshower, uh, my friends. Brian Alschultz and Matt Sally, they're always here helping. My nephew, Ethan, he's at the, a lot of the Enduros with us helping out. And so uh, Matt Rowe and his ISS series, like we we're talking about, that the Impact Survival Series, getting all those laps makes a huge difference. I mean, from the first one I ran back when they were still over at 141 to now, I can see how much I've changed in my driving style and how much you, you look at that. So just getting the laps, there's a huge difference. Well, congratulations. Uh, good luck in the Enduro. And we'll look forward to hopefully seeing you out here on Thursday nights again next year. And then, yep, um, probably be out. I, I don't know if it'll be a weekly one. We'll see how that goes. But I think I swore never to do, come to an opening night again because then you don't have to worry about doing that, getting the first win and then keep coming back. But uh, we'll be back out here for sure with the Enduro cars, and we'll see how the stuff goes. And then uh, there's also the end of October. There's the last ISS race is at Wausau. So October 28th, it's a Saturday. They've got their the last races out there. So still a couple of Enduros yet this year to have some fun with. All right. Awesome. We'll be watching out for you, Dan Thompson. Thank yeah, you. Good luck. Thanks. All right. We are back with a driver that came very close to completing two clean sweeps to end <laughs> the season, but he did win the championship by two points. Kyle Quella, how are you? Doing well. How are you doing, Matt? I'm doing great. I'd be uh, doing a lot better if we had some video review on a certain heat race. How would you feel about that? You know, uh, <laughs> apparently there's uh, some other video out there where um, I'm maybe not so happy about it, but... Let um, it go, let <laughs> it go. The, uh, like I said in my uh, post-race interview, the uh, transponders don't lie. There is a picture out there where I think I'm ahead of Jordan, but uh, he read the rule book a little bit better than I did, and we'll be moving our transponder this uh, this winter. So need to gain that extra inch or two that may or may not have cost me that race. So OJ's got a picture, too, that shows Cato did it. So Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So. I thought it was Marcus Allen, but we got Either way. Yeah. Well, anyway... <laughs> What a run from about midway through the year to the end. I mean, just what did you end up with? Six feature wins this year? Seven. 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 That's what I thought. But, I mean, where did that come from? Like, it just, I think you had mentioned it a couple times that maybe it was just finally being able to shake the bad luck that you've always had that truck that was capable of it, but something would go wrong. Yeah, I mean, uh, looking back, I think I looked at all the races, lap times, everything. Uh, honestly, I was the fastest truck in one of the seven feature races this year that I won. Um, but I think it was just being the right place, the right time, having right things shake out for us that um, really allowed us to take advantage of situations. I think 
Um, my mindset changed a little bit coming into this year. Um, at, even at the beginning of the year, it was we moved the truck from my dad's house to my house, and he would come help me on it instead of him being out in the garage and then me coming over there to see what he got done or, you know and I mean? But he would just be out there all the time. He would put in so many hours and everything like that, and not to say that I wasn't there all the time, but, I mean, he would get stuff done before I'd get there or anything like that and just log a lot of hours, and I think because I knew how much time he was putting in plus the time I was putting in, it would kind of put some stress on us in years past. Now, with this year, I didn't even know he was going to come help. I really thought that it was just going to be me, my roommate helping me, and just kind of going out and winging it and seeing what we could figure out, you know, and – um, he told me, he's like, Hey, just, uh, you know, when you're going out there to work on it, give me a call. And I said, well, I thought you were getting out of racing. And he, uh, <laughs> he's like, well, you know, I like to do that stuff. Just, just call me when you're going out there. So, um, you know, I think March or April is when I finally brought it home, started getting some stuff done. He came over and, um, yeah. And I think it just a different mentality though. You know, it was in the past, it's kind of been this year. It kind of felt like my truck. He still owns it. Um, I was putting the operating costs into it, but, um, he still owns it, but it kind of felt like mine because I was paying the operating costs on it. So then my mentality from a driver changed a little bit because in the past it was felt like it was his deal. And if I wrecked it, you know, it was, you know, I had to somebody to talk to. Whereas now that I'm paying the operating costs on it, I wrecked it, you know, I'm the one that's responsible for it. So I think knowing that, it kind of gave me a little bit of solace in my mind. So then when we were, you know, racing this year in the past, you know, I'd be watching in the mirror and maybe move over for somebody. And this year, I think I, you know, kind of just was my, my mindset honestly was I'm going to let them hit me first and then I'll figure out a new game plan after that. You know, if somebody was closing in on me or anything like that. And, um, I think just the kind of mindset changed like that just changed maybe how certain races shook out for, um, one of us, both of us, or whatever it may be. And you went toe to toe pretty much all year with uh, Brett Van Horn, who's probably been the fastest sport truck out here the last three to maybe even five yeah. years. Um, very consistent, a lot of fast times, a lot of feature wins. At what point in the season were you like, "Hey, I can I can run with this guy, or I can I can finish ahead of this guy"? Because there there seemed to be a point where this wasn't the Brett Van Horn show anymore. You know, talk about the battles you had with Brett this year and how that kind of shook out. Yeah, I mean, uh, we came out on opening night and again, you know, felt like it was my own deal and we took second and that was a big win in my book because it, it kind of made me realize, okay, we got to, you know, maybe we can we can race with him. He, I still felt like he was faster and uh, most of the year I felt like he had the speed, but at the same time I felt that we were right there. So, I mean, um, we got wrecked the second week and we were kind of down in the points, so from that standpoint, we weren't even really looking at the point standings. I mean, for our website, I do them every week, the truck website. So I knew what they were, but I didn't really, you know, I wasn't paying attention to it. Um, we kind of got a couple weeks in, uh, we won, I think the third week or something like that, whatever our first win was, um, and knew, knew we had some speed and kind of, we're just kind of lulling, you know, lulling around there and we were gaining some points here and there, but it was one of those things all year we talked about. We, I knew that he had, to. He had to have some problem one way or another. Not that you wish that upon anybody, but if if he didn't have the problem that he did with, I think the third to last week or fourth to last week, uh, the blue race. Um, yeah, the I, truck came off the grass and right, caught him in the right front. Yeah. So if that if that doesn't happen, then I'm not sitting here right now. But uh, when that happened, you know, we went out and we finished the job that night. 
uh, got the red, white, and blue, but then it was, then the point gap became somewhat manageable. And I, you know, I, when I got interviewed about that, I said that it's still what I still had to, even if I did everything that I could, um, I was going to need a little help, but, um, you know, things still fell our way. You know, the last, the last week, Jordan Fisher, um, he qualified second to begin the year a couple times and then just had a lot of motor problems middle part of the year. Well, he qualified, uh, I got fast time and he qualified either second or third, but it put another truck between Brett and I. So that was one point. So something where in the middle of the year, I probably wouldn't have counted on came out, came back to kind of help me there. So, um, and then obviously every situation, situation changes based off, you know, once you get to that point of the season of, Hey, but yeah, I mean, I would say really, you know, in the back of the mind, it was, Hey, we got a fast truck. Let's keep going out there, putting wins out there. And then if something happens then we'll worry about it. So that was kind of the mindset middle of the season through, but, um, you know, I've heard you guys say a lot that something changed or that, you know, the second half of the season, but that's not even what it felt like to me. But then I, we, I, we commented on it when we came in and, um, you know, I think I won four of the last six or something like that is what it looks like. And I don't, I, you know, I didn't even piece it together that we put a run together like that to, to complete the year, which is, is pretty crazy. And it just, I don't know, it's 14 years in the making to, to make that happen. So it's still a little surreal to me. And I could tell, you know, just how bad you guys really wanted it was uh, how much you were here on Tuesdays and putting in the time practicing trying stuff, you know, trying to get better. Even if it came off of a night where you had a clean sweep, you guys are still here on Tuesday and still working. Yeah. Um, we, we put a different motor in. Um, I think we, we wanted to run it the week before the blue race. And then I think it rained. So then the first week we could run it was the blue race. And, um, it was a good motor. We came out and we won that race. And then, uh, we went to Norway, uh, the week, I think it was the week after that. And we won up there, but ended up sticking a ring in the motor. And then from that point on, we felt like that motor was going to be a better motor for us. Uh, but so that's why we, we came out, we practiced with that motor, wanted to break it in and make sure we were where we needed to be. And we there was more speed there, but it was very unreliable. We actually, the last two weeks of the season, that was the motor that we put in to qualify, but we stuck a ring both nights and qualifying. So we ended up putting the other motor back in both nights. Uh, for race trim. So I guess we have a qualifying motor now. I don't, I don't know, but, um, yeah, so it was, that was one thing that we were trying to figure out was, you know, dialing that one in. And then, um, once I knew that we were somewhat close and all year I knew we needed speed and we were trying different things, bringing it to the track. Well, just, uh, when you only have two weeks left and some points to gain, um, bringing it just to the track wasn't going to be okay. So we, uh, went out and tried some clutching changes and, uh, we found, found probably a 10th there, but you know, that's, that's what I was trying to find all year. So that was kind of a, a good find. We kind of fell backwards into it. We tried something and it flopped. So then the easier change of the two, we just tried that and it actually clicked for us. So it was kind of interesting. That's, that's what can happen on a Tuesday. You come out and you get your own track time versus only having what three track times on a, on a Thursday, you know? Mm -hmm practice qualify or practice we don't get any time for qualifying so practice heat and feature so i think i i think i know what changed in the middle of the season that everybody's talking about i seem to remember uh looking back up here it was the first one you had in that run which was the 14th of july it looks like that would have been the blue race white race white race race. yeah um i seem to remember your post-race interview your throttle had hung. I didn't win the race and my throttle hung up. Um, it was, 
it was after that. It was one that Jason won actually, and it must have been the 27th of July, I think. Um, that was a heck of a race. You know, Dan talked about it uh, just a bit ago about how he, uh, him and Schweitzer and Voigt, they just love running next to each other. Well, that's how it is for uh, Jason and myself. Um, you know, we're good buddies. We they, they came into the trucks in 05. We became friends right away, and we've been friends since. So, um, But there was a restart with six to go. I got to – he chose the inside. I went to the outside. Um, I know that they always got more pulled on the straightaways, and I usually gain in the corner. So my goal was hoping to hang with them in one. And just see, you know, like Dan said, you know, you come up with a plan and then by turn one, it's all, <laughs> all different anyway. So uh, we went down into one and I actually, I think I pinched him a little bit, not intentionally, just ended up driving down a little more. But then uh, I got the drive off of two and I got about half a nose on him. And then the rest of that race, it was, I never knew if the throttle was going to stick going to the corner or not. And there was one lap through three and four where it didn't lift at all. And I was, I mean, literally dirt tracking it. I was turning right on the wheel, using the brake to try to get the thing to make sure it stayed on the track. And it was entertaining to watch. I wish uh, it would have been nice to have a spotter. You know, there's very few times do I wish we had radios and and these things. It makes that's what kind of makes it fun to me. But um, a spotter might have cleared me once, maybe twice. But um, you know, I didn't. I didn't want to you know, ruffle any feathers or anything. And I mean, he had a tire going down, so I'm sticking a throttle. He's got a tire going down and, and then you got Brett running behind us wondering what those two idiots are trying to do in front of him. So, you know, I think one thing that's very interesting that we've discussed before is your knowledge of exactly what you had to do to win the championship in the final laps of the final race, waiting to pass Kylie Vandermoss. Tell us about that. Yeah, um, you know, how the race kind of, it was weird for us because uh, the accident happened on the half mile. Um, and first of all, you know, we saw it happen and every, all of us were safe back there. Um, but then we knew that the schedule was going to change. You know, they were going to have to make a decision. Were they going to try to clean it up? Were they going to put it up? But more than likely, it meant that they were going to bring the quarter mile group out there. Um, they actually ran us ahead of the super stocks. And me and Dan were talking about that and we weren't sure if it was a safety concern. So our guys would get out, you know, go race, load up and get out of there just in case anything did happen out there or what, what it was. But we raced earlier than we thought and we kind of got rushed into it a little bit. And uh, just, yeah, in the race, it was one of those things where we just kind of picked our way through traffic. I know um, right away on the start, I pushed it three wide going into turn two because I, I knew right away I just wanted to get Brett behind me. And then from that point on, just you know, figure out where I had to be or just, you know, I knew I had to do what I had to do was get, get to the, to get to the front, get to the lead. Um, and then, uh, I believe there was, there was a yellow at some point. I restarted on the inside, um, just because I didn't want to give Brett the inside for me. And if, you know, he were able to kind of move on the inside, then I felt like I'd lose down there. So that's why I went down there and I was able to make a move on Dan Thompson to get up to second or third. And then, Kylie kind of got out a little bit and we reeled her in and I, I remember looking at the scoreboard seeing six to go and that's when the gears turned and I said you know I know if I go too soon he's gonna follow me through and then he's gonna he's just gonna win the championship so then then it came to my mind okay so I don't want to pass her and um, she was running good solid laps I mean I looked at the lap times afterwards and I mean it wasn't like I just got to her and then all of a sudden just there was no pressure I mean there was I remember coming to the white flag three and four I was really hoping to kind of set her up get on her bumper so in one and two I could kind of start getting there 
and then maybe complete in three and four, you know, just had a lot of things going through my head, but well, three and four coming to the white flag, she got through a lot better than I thought she was going to. And I think she might've pulled me a little bit or, um, just, you know, gapped it a little bit. So then I got a little nervous going into one and two that, you know, I've been sitting here thinking about this plan and now it might not work. So, um, and then, yeah, just going down into three and, um, you know, I know, like you mentioned in the last week's podcast, you know, some people may call it a dirty move or uh, whatever it is. I talked to Kylie since and, um, you know, I mean, she told me she was over it and um, I guess I don't regret what I did. I mean, with, you know, I've been racing these things full time for 13 years. Um, I knew what I was doing out there. I didn't, you know, I gave her a lane coming up, you know, I, I knew I wasn't going to put her in the wall, you know, and I, you know, I knew my mind was I need to continue to lean on her because, my truck set up for the end of the straightaway and not coming off the corner. So I get pulled by a lot of people coming off the corner. So if we were to separate, I felt like she would pull me to the line. So my mindset was if I keep leaning on her and we just Ricky Crave and Kurt Busch to the start finish line, <laughs> maybe I'll get lucky. And, um, you know, going across the line, I felt like I had won kind of like I did in the heat race. So I had to wait for the scoreboard <laughs> to tell me. Um, we could have had that changed, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, you would have made a guy's heart sink real fast. <laughs> we but, would have saved you a little pain on Friday morning. A lot of pain. <laughs> a lot of pain. No, that last corner, it kind of reminded me this happened in Cup maybe three years ago. Remember they're at, I think, Phoenix, and Ryan Newman needed one more spot to make the final cut, and he kind of overdrove turn three and slid up, and I think he knocked Kyle Larson or somebody out of the way, and they ended up sliding up the track and i think larson was kind of initially like what the heck was that man that's bs but then once they understand the implications what was at stake there you know any driver putting themselves in your shoes would have done the same exact thing right. and um ult- ultimately it turned out good for you yeah absolutely i think uh you know i've i've said that along the years that we've been in the trucks you know i've been an officer at some point and you know just um, had to talk in drivers' meetings, talking about etiquette on the track and everything like that. And I've always told people that, you know, race people the way you want to be raced. But when we talk about lap traffic having to move high or whatever the case may be, just remember that, you know, we give this advice because someday you're going to be the fast guy that wants that person to move over for you. So, you know, um, and this is not the exact same situation, but the same principle of, you know, the. I, I would believe that anybody in my situation would do the same thing going for their first championship and everything like that. So, I mean, um, you know, I don't get me wrong. I want to see her win a feature race. I know she deserves one and everything like that and, um, hate taking her away from her that way. But, um, I knew that it was my only opportunity. And I mean, I even, I don't know, I don't know if you have thoughts to yourself while you're in the car or, um, you know, I've talked to myself in the car before, which might be hard to admit or whatever, but I, you know, I remember thinking to myself, you know, okay, well, this is the time that I got to do it. I might not, I mean, that's as you think about it. I was what five, how many ever feet from turn three to the start finish line. That's as close as I've ever been to a championship. And I might not get that close again. We lost to Brett, uh, in 2013 by two points, whoever finished better in a feature that night was going to win a championship. And, um, he did better that night, so he won the championship uh, in 06. Uh, Dan Vixmer actually beat us. He was ahead of us, and we started chopping into the lead at the end. But, um, you know, we took second that year, and even last year we were right there with Brad, and then the month of August hit, and we just couldn't get out of our own way. So um, you just never know when you're going to get that close again, and I didn't want to leave it up to chance that I m- might not get there. 
You know, I look at you and I see a lot of what Andy went through, right? Where you've been doing this for so long and you've been involved and you've been a guy that's pushed for the trucks to be what they are and to keep going as a division. What does it mean for you to finally get that championship? It means a lot. I mean, like I said, that it felt like there was a monkey on the back. Just, you know, it, my dad always says, you know, there's some people that have racing luck and some people that don't. And he would always say, you're one of the guys that don't. And I never wanted to believe that that was the case. And, you know, I mean, I'll be honest, he was, he'd be hard on me about things on the racetrack. I'd get out and I'd be mad at somebody for doing something. And he would always look at me and say, well, you're one of the guys out there that are an idiot too, or, you know, well, this is what you could have done to avoid it. And, you know, it would, in the moment I'd be mad about it, you know, it'd frustrate me because I'd be like, I just want somebody to agree with me and say, yeah, that, that person did screw you or whatever. But, you know, it makes it all worthwhile afterwards. And when you look back now, you know, it kind of makes me the driver that I am now, um, you know, for him being, being like that. Cause then I always look back at situations and say, okay, well, I guess I could have changed what I did versus just, you know, being, trying to, trying to want somebody else to change. So, um, but yeah, it just, you know, I felt like, you know, we've won races, plenty of other places. We've won touring series championships. I won three of those. So, um, you know, a lot of people say you don't need a championship championship to validate your career, whatever it is, whether it's super late model racing, sport truck racing or whatever. But I mean, part of there is a gratification to it even if I don't need it to validate it I mean it absolutely does because it's it it just I don't honestly I felt like I wasn't good enough and I think a lot of people would be surprised for me to say that you know we went up to Norway and I think we won six of eight features last year and we didn't win the championship up there we had a motor problem one night and got wrecked in another one and we didn't win that but I mean we won six features so you know people would you know I just know, I don't know anybody offhand specifically, but they would make comments of, Hey, we finally won a race, you know, you should be happy for us or what, you know, at like one of the touring tracks. And not that I'm not happy for people, but it's, you know, still didn't have the championship or I, you know, I'm still a competitor. I still want to win races. So even if, you know, if we're doing well, you know, I still, you know, it's what I strive to do. And if I, you know, if I didn't, wasn't out there being competitive, I wouldn't want to do it. That's for dang sure. So, um, it just, I mean, it's pretty awesome. And I remember, you know, last week listening to the podcast and Andy kind of alluded to it, did it sink in? And uh, the same thing, you know, I've had a couple people come, you know, I work at Sears in the mall, sell appliances. So if you need appliances, I guess cheap plug, but <laughs> either way. Um, but a couple people came in and said they saw the article that Joe wrote, uh, Joe Vertigan in the, the Postgresant the week before. Um, and just a couple people mentioned some things about it. So, um, you know, it's kind of neat. And like Andy said, it kind of just helps you kind of remember and you think back and, um, it's, I think it's pretty neat and, you know, I've never, uh, pretty, ex you know, I'm hoping I get a purple jacket this year cause I've been wanting a purple Hoosier jacket since 04 and, um, you know, hoping I get my name on one of those for once. You're in the sport trucks now and you've run all the way up to the late model division. Andy had, had made some comments about that. Is, is there any thought of making the movement again or are you happy in the sport trucks what's what's kind of your thought process and where you might go yeah i mean it's uh i've had the thought before um but i just don't have the funding for it um and nor do i have the crew i mean my dad my dad's a great asset and everything like that i just don't have the guys uh, that we did back in 09 when we ran um in all honesty that's <laughs> I was living in Oshkosh and that's probably one of the bigger regrets that I have is that we had a, we had a good setup. Um, Jeff White, who had worked with, uh, 
Howie Leto, um, and he had gained a lot of experience there. He was our crew chief. Uh, my dad was there, and uh, he knows a lot about the race cars because he raced in the 90s. Um, the Plutz boys were helping us. Eric Johnson was a great asset. So we had a lot of pieces in place, and then, you know, we were we were making gains out here. We'd come here to make some tire money to go run Plover on Friday, and um, we made the last four features that year. We qualified ninth, only a tenth off a of fast time one night. Um, and then the last week we had to actually race our way into the, the feature from the semi and made it in. So um, felt like things were on the up and up, and then uh, just – at that time, I didn't have the desire to work on the car. You know, I was happy being a driver, which, um, you know, that would be one big thing for that I would recommend to anybody that younger getting into it is um, you need to have the desire to work on it, you know, and take the pride in working on it. You know, not that I wasn't out there, but, um, you know, my dad was the brains behind it and I would help him with things, but I didn't have that desire to work on it. I just enjoyed being the driver and, um, you know, in a truck, maybe you can make that work, but in a super late model, there's a lot more that goes into it and a lot more that um, goes into understanding how those cars work. And um, that would be, if if I could go back, I mean, that's one thing I would do is just, you know, get my head in the game, I guess. You know, that's the best way to say it is my head wasn't in the game, but, um, you know, that's the biggest thing. And um, I don't think I don't think we'll go back anytime soon. You know, um, we'll see what next year brings. Uh, I plan on running a truck, just don't know which truck yet. So we'll see. Uh, we got two of them in the garage and, um, we got some, uh, scrap metal too. So we'll see what, what happens, <laughs> but I think you'll, uh, you'll see me out here in 2018. I'm not gonna, I finally got the trophy. I'm not going to give it up that easily. So who made it possible for you? Who was, I know you got some great sponsors on that. O two. who were they? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Dairyland Brew Pub, um, just moved in by them uh, at the beginning of the year and started going in there and uh, met Dory. She's a, a great person. She's put her name on the truck and um, she's been great on there. Uh, we're actually going to have a, a championship party there this Saturday, um, the 23rd from noon to three. So if, if you haven't been there, come check it out. You can see the truck, hang out with us. Uh, if you don't want to do that, you can just have some really good craft beers and some really good food. Um, uh, fairways, lawn care, and snow removal. Uh, Jeff Feistel owns that. He's a guy that I went to high school with. Um, saw that he was hiring people this spring and kind of approached him and asked him if he wanted, you know, if he'd be interested in sponsoring the truck because I know he's out here every week. Um, and he was interested in that and, you know, tried to help him with that and, you know, just kind of get his name out there for, you know, whatever he's doing, whether it's, you know, snow removal's coming soon for him. So I know that he's going to be a busy guy again. So um, the X-Bar, uh, my cousin Craig owns that, Craig Krieger, for um, anybody that's listening. You know, he uh, – shout out to him for winning three feature races this year. I think he uh, – usually he was on a streak of one and one every four years. It was like the Olympics. And uh, <laughs> he uh, he put three together this year. So proud of him. And uh, thank him for painting the truck and, um, you know, helping us with some things. And uh, his son, Riley, is uh, – uh, you might see him in a truck next year. They're getting – they have our other one right now, and we kind of helped them get that together. And we wrote uh, helping them on Tuesdays too, trying to get him uh, comfortable in there and everything. And then um, uh, Steve's Fix-It Shop, Mike Burge, uh, put the truck uh, – put the motor together that um, – ended up winning the championship for us. You know, we had a different motor that we felt was stronger, but apparently that's just a qualifying motor. So big shout out to Mike, uh, a fellow competitor. Um, so unfortunately I had to steal a win from him this year too, because he, uh, I think two to go when I passed him, but uh, just like I mentioned about Kylie, he's going to get one here pretty quick too, because he's, uh, he f he's found a lot of speed and good to see him bounce back after uh, he had a rough year uh, last year. He was 
bone speed and then they put a new body on it and you know what that means uh never means anything good and in practice <laughs> it got balled up and um he was beat up the truck was beat up so he made it out a little late this year so a uh, big shout out to him too yeah and uh back to craig you said painting the truck for you this year the irony of your paint scheme you had the cold trickle mellow yellow paint scheme what happened in that movie on the last lap in the last corner did he make a pass to to complete the win he did, and, and that's how I, you finished yeah, the season. Eh? If I remember, maybe right there. there was something. To but he that. went to the high side. <laughs> you know, if you go to the outside. <laughs> yeah, you know. No, he actually went low. Remember, he tried. Oh no, that's right. Twice, he faked it to the and high then side. he faked it. Yep, this one's for you, Harry. Right, and then I mean, it, just to top it off. Did you see Jerry Quala running down the front stretch after yes. uh, coming to the coming to victory lane or the makeshift victory lane? So, um, I didn't even know he could run anymore. Oh, well, there are certain occasions where some of us will run, and thankfully, it was a happily running Jerry Quella, not a sadly or angrily running Jerry. Yeah, it was, uh, that was, that was probably the, the coolest moment is seeing him running down the front stretch and, you know, getting out here in the roar of the crowd, but then getting to give him a big old bear hug for, uh, you know, it was, uh, <laughs> meant a lot, you know, 13, 14 years. And that's, you know, the first championship that he's been part of a track championship. So it's, uh, pretty neat for both of us. You know, I think he takes a lot of pride in it. And one thing that it even set in, you know, up until like a few days later, um, we built that truck, you know, again, he was the brains behind it, but I was there helping him with it. Uh, 06 to 07, we built that truck. Uh, we brought it out here in 07 and, um, learned some things about that didn't work. In it. And we actually came out the last night of that year. Um, other than John Razor, we were the only person to turn a 15 second lap on these Hoosier tires in a qualifying run. Um, we've worked on it since. And, you know, uh, Dylan, I had raced it for a while and then, um, you know, we got back in it a couple of years ago, and so that means a lot that uh, we did it in our own truck, too. So, Well, congratulations, Kyle, and uh, we definitely look forward to seeing you again in 2018. Are, are you done? Are the trucks traveling done? We're done. Uh, we finished up at Norway on, uh, on Labor Day, on the Sunday of Labor Day weekend. Um, shout out to Tanner Fickle. He uh, won his first career feature win. Uh, that day and uh, he did it he ended up Brett got by him Brett Van Horn got by him and then he actually got dug deep and found a way to drive past back Brett or back past Brett which is um, I don't even I don't think I can say that anytime that I got out in front I got past him early so um, big shout out to Tanner for that it was pretty cool to see him uh, do that and I mean he was the fastest truck in the race too so it was uh, it'll be interesting to see what he's going to be able to do next year I think he's uh, they found some things here at the end of the year and found a lot of confidence too. So uh, I think he's going to be somebody that's running up front at the end of next year too. All right. Well, good deal. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Matt, Dan, Andy. Well, that is a congregation of our champions here this evening. Of course, we had the other ones last week. If you missed out on that podcast, you can go back and check it. Uh, what a season that we had here. We had championships coming down right to the wire. Andy, your consistency throughout the year. I mean, this was this was a banner year at WIR, and certainly one that uh, I don't. I'm so surprised it's over already, right? I, I mean, I'm ready for 2018. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, here we are sitting in shorts and flip flops. Some of yeah, us it's a beautiful night out. I heard it's going to be in the yeah. 80s this Thursday. Yeah, it's like we could still be racing, but no. You're right. It's kind of a bittersweet time of year. You know, the season's over. There's some specials people are running around going to, but. Really successful year at WIR um, for all the teams, and Roger's final year here at the track, handing yep. the things over to Danny. So it was cool that uh, we got all the cars on the track to do that salute for him, and 
everything he's done for the race club and now it's football season and off season meetings we'll, we'll probably right. we should probably touch on that so for the podcast kind of going forward we're going to be kind of like maybe bi-monthly yeah we'll be monthly. we'll be spotty i think the next one that we talked about is doing one right around the time of the banquet which is october 21st and that sort of gets us through Oktoberfest and some of the year-end specials, so we'll have that to talk about because I know you're going to be running some. I'll see you at the Tundra Race here yep. on Sunday. It's our last one of the year. And then you're going to – I think you said you're going to run Fest. Is that still part of the plan? Um, we'll see how the Dells goes first. That's kind of our priority, the one we're signed up for. Um, we're kind of intrigued a little bit about that Plover special at the end of October. Mm-hmm. So now knowing that Kyle made some good laps there, maybe I could get some hints from, from him on go. what i got to do at Plover. But – no, we're kind of honed in for the Dells. Um, I was actually on your website today looking at some track records and stuff for the Dells, and Corey Jankowski still holds the Tundra super late qualifying Correct. record at the Dells. And I'm looking at the date on that, and I went, gosh dang it, I was were second the, to him that you night. You were at that race. Yeah, we you qualified were. second. Corey was the last car boat and beat, a, beat it in set fast time. So we're kind of looking forward to it. I've raced there probably a dozen times um, over the last 10 years or so, so. It should be a fun event, and looks like you're going to have good weather for it, too. Yeah, thankfully. that That's always – somebody called me today and asked about it. They said, oh, is the weather going to hold out? I said, you know, I don't even look at the forecast until about two days before. <laughs> just makes me nervous or mad, so I just – I leave it <laughs> alone. It be. Leave it alone until it's time to be. But, uh, hey, by the way, before we get running too far out, I want to send a big shout-out to a guy that came back to the club this year. Joe Verdigan and the job that he did as a PR person, working the Facebook page, getting his stories out. Uh, he really did a fantastic job and did a lot of good for the club this year. So I just want to send a shout out and a big thank you to Joe because I think he was a tremendous asset for the club this year uh, and maybe sort of an unsung hero and a guy that going forward, you know, is helping putting people in the seats and helping spread the word about what we're doing here. Yeah, absolutely. For him to do those articles, like Kyle mentioned too, that were in the the Post Crescent, kind of get the awareness. He was kind of the mastermind behind getting the mods out here. That was hugely successful. And those are the kind of forward thinking, positive things we need to keep this club going the right direction for sure. Yeah, I was just going to chime in on that too. I thought that sport mod deal was a really cool thing. And yeah, he really, um, it seemed like he was the really the integral part of that, of getting those guys in here. And it was um, like you guys mentioned during the podcast that week, just seeing all the dirt shirts run, walking around here and uh, the pits being that much more full. And it just, it was really cool to see uh, new faces, new people in the crowd. And I think, uh, you know, doing something like that going forward is going to be a pretty cool deal for uh, for the track and uh, for all of us because more exposure is always better, in my opinion. And he's still working. He emailed me today, actually. He's working on some promoters thing between Manitowoc, Luxembourg, swap meet drivers thing and he was looking for drivers to come in he's going to have a little segment on sponsors and how to promote yourself and social media and things we've talked about on the podcast before so he reached out about maybe me coming out to that show helping him do some of that stuff so that guy's always between high school football and racing he's he's a busy guy and i think another person that did a lot of good for the club this year and helping promote is the young man sitting in between us right now that we should probably mention Dan strong too, putting these podcasts together as videos, things like that. Uh, helping us get into the digital age really. It's something that I think not just the Fox river racing club or Wisconsin international raceway, but racing in general could use more things like what we do here with the rumble over the thunder podcast and posting YouTube videos and uh, just 
shout out to Dan for kind of getting this all together. Andy, I know you had a good part in it too, uh, just sort of brainstorming on some things. But you know, Dan's Dan's been kind of doing the the dirty work behind the scenes here that not a lot of people. He's know the about. mastermind. We get to. It's kind of like what Corey Kempka said before, where he just shows up with mm-hmm. his helmet bag and drives. That's kind of what me and you are doing on this podcast. Dan is doing all the stuff, getting it set up, um, reaching out to people to see who we're going to have on the show, and then the hours of work that goes into it after the show, editing it, uploading it, etc. So um, we really appreciate everything you do, man. I know you got a lot on your plate, and Sabrina's probably pulling at you a few times of all the hours this stuff takes up, but we really appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been fun. It really has been. Um, I love this place. I've been coming out here since 09, I think. I feel like that's the first season I came out here. It's been a long time. Um, and I just want to see it thrive. There, you know, There's been declining car counts. There's been less people in the stands, and I hate seeing that just from a fan standpoint. Uh, you know, and it, I've been kind of thinking about things like this, and that's what led me to do the videos starting last year. And when you brought up the podcast, that's why, you know, Two weeks afterwards was the first one. Uh, you know, I just wanted to get us out there in the digital world. Biggest thing right now. And there we are. Yeah. What, what Living in your cell phone. What about you, Andy? Did I don't know about you. For me, uh, every time the new video would come up, I'd, I'd watch it just to, I mean, it was review for me. You know, I'd go through it. I'd see what happened in the race. You know, where how did somebody get through versus how I didn't, you know, and just kind of. I, you know, I felt like an NFL coach, you know, in the tape room, just kind of looking it over, trying to figure it out. And um, that way, I mean, I was always excited when his videos would come out so I could really kind of, in my own mind, break it down and, you know, try to figure out if I could, you know, if there was anything to learn, try to learn what what I could from it. Yeah, there's so many things that go on throughout the race. And sometimes you only remember the big things or the last five laps that it's it's nice to go back and reflect. Oh, okay, I went inside on that restart. If I would have went outside, you could see this lane went or this happened and just kind of analyze it. And it drives Beth and Chloe nuts at home because I got the YouTube on the TV and really we're watching racing again, by the way, you helped me get my, my deal set up on my patio the other night when I stopped in by you. Yeah. First thing we did to check it out is we went on YouTube and we pulled up the race from end of July when, uh, the two and the 45 had their little altercation. That was, that was the first thing that was our test watch out there of, uh, one of Dan's videos. So, so I'm not the only one that does testing with those videos. Uh, at work, I have to test TVs when they come open box. So, <laughs> oh, cool. I know uh, I know. there's some videos out there that are completely clean, and I can watch those in front of customers no matter what, and it'll be fine. Until they like, who is that guy screaming on the microphone? <laughs> Somebody mute him, please. And he slams that door. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I get a little too excited sometimes. That's good, though. That really is to have people excited about racing that that just drives more people in here i think well however it may be i'm excited about uh seeing you guys at the banquet here in a few weeks and uh, excited about seeing some year-end specials and we'll meet back here in a little over a month and and talk about where we've been good sounds good thank you for hosting this and we'll continue to have fun with it Sounds good. We might have to pick a new venue here because we may get snowed out of the track, but we'll find somewhere. <laughs> so uh, with that being said, if you want to find out more information about the Fox River Racing Club, a couple of great ways you can do it. FRCRacing.net is the website. Fox River Racing Club on Facebook. Keep up to speed with that. Uh, sport trucks got their own site. Trucks, you want to throw that out yeah. there? 
Yeah, uh, Wisconsin Sport Trucks. Uh, Dot com, I think now. Sorry, it's been a uh, it's been a while since I've gone on. Just Wh- Google no, Wiss, WissSportTrucks.com. There you go. Um, and then we're on Facebook, you know, this year. Um, two sponsors that I forgot to mention for the whole truck club, actually. Uh, well, Pack of Foundry, they sponsored our in-truck ham, something we tried this year. Where, Those are fun to watch, by the uh, way. We put it uh, in somebody different somebody else's truck every week. We uh, we might investigate different things that we can do for next year, but uh, it was cool to give everybody that opportunity. And then uh, Specialty Machine also sponsored the trucks this year, so... Uh, big thanks to those guys but yeah uh, like us on facebook we're getting close to a thousand likes big milestone for us so pretty excited about that too all right you can always hit me on twitter at matt pannier dan strong yep uh it's dan strong 95 a monday 10 over here i believe it's at o2 racer o-h-t-w-o-r-a-c-e-r <laughs> but i'm not much of a twitter addict he's a so. snapchatter are you a snapchatter Kyle? i'm not a snapchatter a snapchat I'm, uh, you, you might catch me on Facebook occasionally, apparently. <laughs> and that's what the, the kids are telling Facebook me. Facebook so. Live. Seen that's it. where you're going to catch them. We've seen that a little bit. <laughs> anyway, we'll catch you all next time. Thank you so much for joining us again. Till then, stay out of trouble.